seemed like a what would a woodchuck chunk if a woodchuck could chuck wood. Yeah, that one exactly, exactly. And then do you do you know the response to that? No. It's how so how much wood could a woodchuck chuck if a woodchuck could chuck wood? And then you you I think you're supposed to say a woodchuck would chuck all the wood that a woodchuck would chuck if a woodchuck could chuck wood. You know what? It's a lot. That's too much. It's a lot. <laughs> Taylor Vinson is a poet from St. Louis, Missouri, author of poetry and photography book Letters to God, founder of Untamed Tugs Poetry Collective on the Missouri State University campus, and current grad student in the Communication, Culture, and Technology program at Georgetown University. Jill Fredenberg is an artist from Memphis, Tennessee. She's been dabbling in poetry and teaching for six years and produces the Poetry Prompt podcast. She is also a student in the Communication, Culture, and Technology program at Georgetown University. Hi, everybody. So this is the first episode of the Poetry Prompt podcast. Welcome. This podcast was born out of my desire to have a reason to write more often because I'm the kind of person that feels like my creativity is a little bit selfish unless I have a more direct reason to take part in it, which I realize is not the best mentality to have about when you're writing things or creating in general. But I am fortunate enough to be in a course where producing this podcast makes sense. And I listen to plenty of poetry podcasts, my favorite ones being um, from the Poetry Foundation, the Verses, and then also working with organizations like Split This Rock. I get to hear a lot of really great poetry, but I don't write enough. And there aren't, I haven't seen, I I, I guess you don't really see podcasts, but I, <laughs> I haven't listened to a podcast yet where you're also encouraged to write on it. And I think that that audience engagement idea is really interesting, especially as someone who's interested in tech. So that's where this came from. And then I found out pretty early on in Taylor and my friendship that she wrote poetry as well. And so I invited her to be my, my co-host. Yeah. It's so funny that you say wrote because I feel like it is almost very much in the past tense. Exactly. Well, <laughs> Seeing yeah. that my, you know, current writer's block is real. Mm-hmm. Um, but that is also the point of the podcast is to sort of get the juices flowing again and have community where, you know, you can just kind of throw out some new writings and not feel the pressure against yourself, you know. So exactly. I think that we put up a lot of our own walls and we're going to be talking with poets who are currently writers. So people who do consistently write, but we're also going to be talking to people who have been published recently or do it for academics, as well as people like us who used to write a lot more than we do want to get back into it again and recognize how important the motivation is. So hopefully this podcast will be a motivator for listeners. Everything that we talk about today will also be up on our Facebook page. And let's get into it. (laughs) So Jill, tell me about how you got started into poetry. Like what was the first time you started writing? Mm -hmm. What was that, you know, experience like? How did you feel empowered to keep going? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I was always into reading. My mom read to me when I was little, very cute. Uh, but I didn't realize that creative writing expanded past that 
really until high school when I took a creative writing class where we mostly wrote short fiction works, but were also encouraged to write poems. Mm -hmm. And that was the first time that I experienced poetry, but it was very much the older poetry. So Emily Dickinson, uh, what is it? Who is it? Walter Whitman. Is that a poet? Am I making that up? That's a guy, right? That's a, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's a person that existed, correct? Um, uh, yeah. So I, I had that high school course and I wanted to, I actually wanted to major in English when I went to college, I wanted to major in English because at my university, the documentary filmmaking fell under the English department. So I did take a couple of poetry classes in college. I say a couple. I think I took one. I took a, yeah. a poetry class in college, and that's what made me interested in it. But I didn't come into the idea that writing poetry could be something for myself until I saw uh, Sonia Renee Taylor at, on campus she came and visited she's this brilliant spoken word artist and I don't yet really write poetry that's meant to be spoken out loud to an audience but I really enjoy that listening to that now and so that's what really got me into it did you have a, a similar experience or how did you get into your your poetry um I think that I've always just been a very sensitive person and so I kind of trace it back to, so when I was younger, my parents, you know, got separated and that was just my way of dealing with all of those feelings. Um, it kind of was more so just like writing journal style. Mm -hmm. And then I think in some kind of way, just transformed into poetry. I honestly didn't really start like reading poetry until I came to college, which was, like, really crazy because, I don't know, I mean, you hear about, like, Maya Angelou, mm -hmm. but it's like, I, I mean, I really didn't read her, you know, growing up. Um, it wasn't until I, I really started seeking out other poets that I felt like my writing expanded because a lot of times, like, I mean, I still write, like, love poems, <laughs> um, but I used to write a lot of love poems to these imaginary boys that I liked in <laughs> high school or whatever. Um, and so that was fun. And then when I came to college and I started reading about the Black Arts Movement, um, I don't know, I just felt so empowered to speak more on like social issues mm -hmm. and trying to find the balance in writing about love, but like writing about like Black love mm -hmm. and the relationships that black black men and black women have um and like the relationships that I have myself and God and just like all these things coming together um and like my first semester in undergrad as a freshman um they had a spoken word artist come and speak and I was basically challenged by one of my friends to like present um, one of my poems at the end of the performance. And that was like the absolutely most terrifying thing <laughs> ever. And I was shaking. I mean, it was absolutely terrible. Like, I don't know if anybody even understand what I was saying because I'm like, <laughs> you know? And this is after a spoken word artist, like tried and true had Performed. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I used to go to like open mics in high school and I would just watch them be so amazed. Like, oh my gosh, I really want to be that person. Uh, because again, like, you know, I, I have a 
soft voice and a pretty, you know, quiet demeanor. And so, like, to stand up on the stage and speak your voice and tell your story, I mean, that was just, like, such a powerful experience um, to watch someone else do and then also to, like, try to do the same myself. That was my beginning of doing spoken word poetry was my freshman year um, in college. And the second semester, I ended up doing like this beauty pageant and I did a spoken word piece, like the same piece that I had did after the um, poetry performance. I decided, okay, I'm gonna do this pageant. I'm gonna work for the next four months to perfect my performance and I'm gonna do it. And so um, the performance was in February. And so obviously we had to go home for winter break. And oh my gosh, when I tell you, I didn't want to come back <laughs> for school. Like I cried because I didn't want to come back because I knew when I came back, I had to like do this mm-hmm. performance. And my family was like, just do it, just do it. I'm like, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know, I did it and I did pretty good and it worked out. And I gained a lot of friends and a lot of confidence. Um, and it gave me the sort of boost to create Untamed Songs Poetry mm-hmm. Collective, um, officially founded in 2014, my sophomore year. And so it has been a journey for sure. So was there already sort of a community of poets that you were able to tap into or after you performed, did people sort of come out of the woodwork and say, oh, we also like to write poetry let's do this together something that I had always wanted to do um I've always been kind of like entrepreneurial in Mm -hmm. a sense you know um and so when I first arrived to school there wasn't you know there was an art club Mm -hmm. uh, but there wasn't anything that was specifically dedicated to spoken word poetry so after I did my performance I think I kind of gained some I don't know credibility (laughs) and so I actually just set up an informational meeting. I think I had like maybe a friend or two that I knew who um, liked to write poetry. And I was like, hey, would you guys be interested in, you know, forming a group around this in October of that fall? Mm -hmm. Um, And then, yeah, it's just been like up and running ever since. I was very active with my poetry organization um, the first few years. And honestly, you know, I don't know. I think I, I struggled in school not because it was hard but because I couldn't find my purpose and my value in it and I felt I had so much like passion in what I was doing outside of the classroom um which is why I was like well you know I'm gonna put more focus on this organization because this is something that I'm passionate about so I wrote letters to God in 2016 um is when I, yeah, when I wrote it and when I published it, I was not president of the organization at the mm-hmm. time. So that is something that I did completely on my own. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was kind of like in the following year that I gave up my position as right. president. Um, so I think it was just kind of like the expelling of all the sort of emotions and, you mm-hmm. know, stories that I had built up over the years and kind of one package deal. (laughs) Right. I mean, I'm sure there was a lot of momentum that got built up. And then when you were having all of these meetings and and were surrounded by other poets, it it helped sort of pull everything to the surface so that you could actually put it all together into a project. Um, 
what do you think has made it difficult to get back into writing consistently? I think now it's just kind of hard because I've spent so much of my life writing these sort of love poems and these sort of like, you know, heart aching Mm -hmm. poems for, you know, people. (laughs) And I just kind of don't want to do that anymore. Mm -hmm. And so I'm trying to figure out how to write in a way that is true to me and has more of a positive um, and more personal reflection of who I am and not in relation to other people. And so that's kind of, but that's, you know, difficult. Yeah. And I mean, that's what empowerment is too, is being able to do that. And it's, it can be difficult to sort of find, find a new voice that is similar enough to your old one that you don't feel like you're not a different person, but suits who you are now. It's sort of in reflection of my own process that I'm going through now Mm -hmm. and trying to focus less on other people and how to love and how to give to other people and learning more how to do those things for myself Mm -hmm. and that's just a very hard thing to do and it's like it shouldn't be um but it is Mm -hmm. and so awesome you did mention switching majors and I actually think that part of my issue and why I have a hard time writing poetry is because when I changed from an English major to a studio art major I felt like I had switched my title Mm -hmm. and so I sort of had relinquished the right to write which is stupid Um, but after finishing the poetry classes that I or the poetry class that I had taken and deciding to move more into sculpture and video making and stuff like that I didn't have homework to do where poetry yeah. writing was required, but I was still listening to it all of the mm-hmm. time. So it wasn't until I came to DC and found Split This Rock and a couple of other organizations that I realized that it's something that's really important to be working on mm-hmm. again, because of, for me, it's a similar idea of empowerment through getting to, to spend time thinking about myself and thinking mm-hmm. about how poetry is that mirror, mm-hmm. or at least I think the best poetry is is sort of a mirror into who you are, why you are the way you are, and then how to get to who you want to be, I guess. Yeah. Um, but it makes it hard. It makes it hard when you're studying something else or you, or you have a job that isn't in poetry yeah. to feel like that time isn't time wasted because we're so obsessed with being productive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I think it's interesting, too, the way you mentioned, like, giving up your title or what does it mean to like have a title and how that relates to who you feel like you are as a person Mm -hmm. I haven't written in a while so I'm like shoot am I still a poet am Mm -hmm. I still can I still claim that as you know who I am and even like in your bio you say you've been dabbling I know you know (laughs) not wanting to have ownership over something if we feel like we aren't 100% percent You know, if that's not a part of our brand, Mm -hmm. you know, everybody has a certain brand that they're trying to portray. And like, how does it make sense to be both this and that? Mm -hmm. Um, But I think part of poetry and just like, I don't know, it reflects life. It's complex, you know, and it's not 
just one thing. It is hard though, especially I think as women, because oftentimes we feel like we need that degree or we need, it's almost like we need that title to be gifted to us from someone else. Mm-hmm. In, this, in a similar way that you were saying earlier, where you want to be writing for yourself without being in relation to another person. Mm-hmm. I think I struggle with the idea that I can say that I am something without other people needing to necessarily agree with me mm-hmm. or without necessarily needing to prove that to other people. So hopefully that's yeah. something yeah. that working on this project together will yeah. help uh, mediate a little bit. Yeah. So part of the reason too that I wanted to do this podcast is because I had been to a couple of writing workshops. Um, again, I've mentioned them at a great organization called Split This Rock. They will be linked on the Facebook. We would spend 15 minutes writing on a prompt as a big group, and then you could share if you wanted, but it wasn't required. And the people that would share would have pulled these giant vocabulary words out yeah. of their ass, and I don't know where they're getting it yeah. from. And so then I wouldn't read my piece mm-hmm. because I felt very sort of elementary in yeah. comparison. And I think that that comparison is something that needs to be less intimidating for me in order to fall back into this practice. Yeah, I agree. I feel that way too. I don't know. It's just tough because I'm like super hard on myself all the time. So trying to write, you know, how do you start? Mm-hmm. I feel like, no, I don't like the way this sounds, <laughs> you know, <laughs> or like, I don't know, just trying to put something on paper. That's why I like prompts too, because mm-hmm. it forces me to start with something instead of, I don't know, succumbing to the overwhelming massiveness of all the possibility there is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a lot of people will say that being creative is much easier when you give yourself some boundaries. So when I was doing studio art consistently, when I needed to produce a sculpture every week as part of my senior thesis, we would have standards that we would set and boundaries that mm-hmm. we couldn't really cross. And you wanted your sculpture to look similar enough to the one that you made last week so that your voice was apparent, but then different enough that it was a new piece of artwork. And so we sort of had to define what we wanted everything to look like before we would start the whole process of making multiple projects that fit within the same theme. And so I think prompts give us that boundary that we need, or like you were saying, like a suggestion. Um, With that in mind, would you like to do a reading for us? I can do two. I'll do one that I wrote that's in the actual book, and then I'll do one that I wrote, like, last fall. So not, like, this fall, but, you know, Mm -hmm. the one Mm -hmm. before that. (laughs) Okay, so I don't really do well with titles because they stress me out. Um, Yeah, so it doesn't really have a title here. But this is a object poem, and I suppose the object was glass window whenever it rains the sky turns violet and my cheeks bruise against your pain when your anger be like pounding drums in the face of oppression and then becomes a thunder of cursing at the mother of your children brown fists risen becomes something like lightning crashing in my holy temple shattered and pieced back together like stained glass in a chapel or our home I'm not made to hold your butcher pride together and lies kept silent behind blinds while you sing your hypocritical hymns of love and justice, just not for black women that can be broken by your hands too. When you speak of the revolution, do you mean 
Only men with cemented hearts and backbones made like columns, too heavy to move, too thick to see through, and forget the glass windows you trust to keep you from drowning in the darkness. You think women are like glass you break when the pain of blackness gets too heavy to carry and you rain, you rain all over me like I don't feel this pain too. I am bearing the rage between you and the world and you look through me as if I haven't felt this pain of blackness enough already like the black family hasn't been torn from the both of us like black women haven't been raped of our humanity like windows crept open robbed of our treasures and left ajar while holding on to your love still and yet your tongue thunders and your fists strike like i am only a glass window in your home just meant to weather your storms and all of your pain so gracefully. Without like you going totally back to that place, do you remember, <laughs> did you write this in sections? Like um, how did you, nah. was it sort of stream of consciousness? <laughs> like, um, Yes. I don't know. I kind of write just like piecing stuff together. I just kind of, I, yeah, I just write. Mm-hmm. I just write. And then I go back and I like piece it together and like change and edit stuff. But yeah, I guess I do stream of conscious mm-hmm. writing because I can't think about it too much. I just have to like go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But I think that makes sense. And it's good not to sort of stop yourself. I think finishing a thought and then editing the thought later is way better than being nervous about a thought not sounding perfect the first time. Yeah. So our prompt for this week is going to be mixing Taylor's poem with my poem. You could just use like a line. You could just use a theme. But the idea would be to take at least a couple of elements from each of ours, putting them together and then making it your own. So I was going to read one called Under My Bund Hair that I wrote... I believe sophomore year of college, but after hearing yours, I think that in order for the prompt to not necessarily be easier, but to stay with an imagery inspired theme, um, instead I'm going to read Guernica now, which funnily enough, I believe I wrote my freshman year of undergrad. So this is a long time ago. And Guernica is a, is a painting by Picasso. So it's also an object poem but it's a painting by Picasso and it was something that I had to look at every day for a semester as part of an anti-war art class. And that class is actually what moved me from being an English major and sticking with poetry as sort of my academic Mm -hmm. trajectory into moving to studio art because I was so inspired that I wanted to create um, physical things that people would look at instead which i don't know again i don't know why i felt like because i had picked yeah to move into that realm totally do both. yeah totally do both 18 year old jill did yeah. not have that mental uh state i guess or the the mental capacity to understand that you can be a a, a, a complicated complex yeah. individual yeah um but this is guernica now a moment is caught forever in a shock piece that picasso drew from nightmares In it, crippled fingers of conflict grip a silent weapon that reeks of victor blood. Bombs and blues and burn wounds fill the canvas to its stretching edges. Chaoses of different kinds parade themselves through deliberate catastrophe. 
A soldier is caught between life and dark and clings to his battle blade, but this part of a whole, severed at its bend, still holds hope. The flower is faded, but lives. Still, Guernica is not too far from Cooper Street for the women with bug sunglasses to discuss the failing grace and slaughter committed over 75 years ago over broken newsprint and a thick-tied bag of bagels. I can tell that you, like, think about the way that it sounds. Mm-hmm. So that's important. That I, 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 Part of the reason why I wanted to switch to this one, too, is I think that the differences in the way that we write, but the similarities mm-hmm. as well, show through really well. Because I think you're taking a lot of experience and formulating thoughts around it and then presenting it in a way that makes it apparent for other people to be able to both commit to your narrative and your storyline, but also potentially put their own narratives and their own storylines in there. Mm -hmm. I don't think that I, I think I care a lot about how it sounds out loud and I care about it in my voice in a way that I kind of want to let go of, but is very consistent with all of my poetry. So like I was at a place on Cooper Street. Mm-hmm. All of that is very specific and real. There were women talking about this thing that I was currently studying. I thought it was crazy. They were very nonchalant about death and war and like the whole way that they were talking about it um, because it was in the past, but the way that they were talking about it was really shocking to me. Mm-hmm. And so I wrote about it and I think that that's a cool thing for us to both be drawing from actual experiences that we have, but for you to sort of transform it into something and for me to really engage in the specificity of the experience yeah Yeah. no that's cool um because i feel like yeah like that's the difference between certain writers too Mm -hmm. Uh, i think another reason why it's challenging for me is because i pull so much from like this emotional kind of space that i I get sick of it to a certain Mm -hmm. kind of extent and then also because so much of it has to do with like relationships like I have this vulnerability which is like a great thing but I also you know like it's it it hurts or you know it's scary to constantly be the person that's like expressing these feelings that you know that other people will have and go through but like to be the sort of designated one Mm -hmm. who like actually has to speak on it um it can be very hard and like you know make you feel almost kind of alone you know Mm -hmm. So let's talk about your prompt for this week. If you guys are able to get on Facebook, you will see the actual written poems. We'll post them for you. An example of what you could do would be to take a moment caught forever in shock piece, which is the first line of Guernica Now, which is the poem that I read for you, but then take the storm imagery from Taylor's poem. And that's just an example of what you could do and turn it into something that's yours and bring it your own context. So your prompt this week is to see something. Yeah. And then to read these poems again and pull from them. You also have the option to not do that at all. We really just want the engagement. We want to see what you guys have to write. And something that I want you guys to go into this specific workshop with is not to feel like you need some devastatingly clever ending Mm -hmm. 
So I think something that can be really intimidating about writing a poem is feeling like you need to tie it up in a really neat bow at the end. But this is not necessary. Yeah. This first episode, we want you guys to just get writing again. Ta-da! Woo! Thanks, everybody. This podcast has been hosted by Jill Fredenberg and Taylor Vinson. Our artwork is by the wonderful Marumi Lee, and our music is by the talented Ava Lenick. This week's prompt and every week's prompts are on our Facebook page as well as our website, thepoetrypromptpodcast.georgetown.domains. And you can find us on socials at The Poetry Prompt Podcast.